Well, good morning, everybody. It's lovely to see you all here. It's lovely to see you, particularly if you're a guest. You're so, so welcome here this morning. Um, and uh, we really hope that you'll stay after the service and join us for lunch. Or, you know, it may well be that you're only here for the lunch and you're just kind of sitting through this bit as a way to get there. Well, that's fine. You won't have to wait too much longer. Um, so lunch is coming. Um, happy Father's Day. Um, uh, this is actually, uh, this is a picture of me and my dad. How cool is that? Um, now, Father's Day is one of those days, isn't it, that really accentuates kind of normal human experience. It's one of those days where if, if fatherhood for you have really, has really positive connotations, if you have good experience of your dad, if you have kids and it's going well or things like that, it can be a day for celebration, for fond memories, for loads of fun. I'm really lucky. I have an excellent dad. Um, he's a great example to me of, um, like... Uh, love and yes like tons of patience as you can imagine um he's really creative he works hard i really respect him and and love him uh, he doesn't uh, look quite that young anymore but he's he's still doing all right you know for his age he's a bit past it but bless him um uh, oh he's probably going to listen to this i'll cut that um and uh, yeah, but he's really great. But for, for others of you, maybe some of us here, Father's Day is, is a very different day. It's very, it can be quite painful because maybe your experience of fatherhood has been not so great. Maybe your dad um, isn't around anymore or maybe he never really was around or maybe you're a dad and you look back on how it's gone and you've got some pain or some regret or whatever. Uh, today can bring up loads of different um, feelings for all of us. I just kind of wanted to acknowledge that at the beginning. We're going to look at a story in the Bible uh, today. And often, uh, if we don't know it that well, we can kind of think of the Bible as a book that's kind of got its head in the clouds a little bit. Like maybe, it, what does it really have to say to my everyday life? Isn't it just full of kind of perfect people with halos or whatever? Um, well, fortunately, that's so far from the truth. The Bible has such an encouraging number of incredibly dysfunctional families and problematic people and pain and regret. Um, and so we're going to look at a little story about fatherhood today that I hope will bring something really, really cool home for us. Is that cool? Are you ready? The story I'm going to look at is a story of a guy called Jacob. Now that is um, a artist's impression of what David might have looked like. Uh, Jacob. Jacob. Very good. Uh, very excellent listening of what Jacob probably did look like. Um, now Jacob's family situation was like this. He had a mum and a dad. Um, and he had a twin brother called Esau. Now, basically, the problems began when Jacob was naught years old. Because Esau was the slightly older of the two twins. And from the moment Esau was born, it was obvious the difference between Esau and Jacob could not have been more pronounced. Esau grew up to be a kind of hunter-gatherer, an outdoors type, a muscle guy, an outdoors guy. He was, he was the macho man. He had the full beard, the tattoos. If you're struggling to imagine what he looked like, picture me. Um, I can't show you the tattoo. <laughs> Sorry? I've lost my sandals. Um, that's an in-joke. That's not cool. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Jacob was the polar opposite. He was, he was uh, you know, the kind of, he preferred the indoors. He was more of the thinker, less of the doer. And the dad in the family adored Esau. Esau got all of the attention. 
Esau got all of the affirmation. When dad was doing DIY around the house, Esau was the one at his side getting trained. When dad was out hunting bears or something, whatever he did, lions, whatever, um, Esau was out there wrestling with the lions and he was daddy's boy and Jacob grew up. And what he heard from his dad was basically this. You're just not as good. You're just not as cool. Now, as, as what sometimes happens in, the fam- in families like that, maybe you know of some toxic family situations, but as the kids grow up, what, what happens is just this, this family becomes a hotbed of actual pain and regret and jealousy and envy and tons of really um, unhelpful, destructive emotions. And e- if Jacob grows up thinking, listen, if I'm going to get my father's blessing, if I'm going to hear from my dad that he loves me, if I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to have to make it happen for myself. He's not just going to come to me and tell me he loves me one day. I've got to make this happen for myself. So Jacob thinks, well, how, how, can, I, how can I achieve this? How can I achieve this lack in my heart from not having my father's love? Firstly, he tries, he thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll become number one. I'm going to try for positional power. I'm going to work my way up to the top of this family. Now, Jacob does this the only way Jacob knows how. He deceives his way to the top of the family. Firstly, he tricks his older brother out of his birthright. And secondly, he tricks his dying dad into blessing him instead of his older brother Esau. So he gets the blessing that he wanted. But did it help? No, it didn't help. Even though he gets there, actually him trying to do it that way just pushes him further away from his family. He has to flee from his brother who's livid with him, wants to kill him. That's not a good family situation. He has to flee from his dad. He has to flee from his mum. And he ends up running away without anything and starting again. So he tries to make it happen himself and it doesn't work out. The second thing he tries is a good guess. But sadly, it all goes a bit pear-shaped. He thinks, I know what I will do to fill this gap in my heart. I will find a hot wife. And so he thinks, I'm going to go find the most beautiful girl imaginable, and I will make her my wife. And so he does. He finds the most beautiful girl imaginable. Well, not the most beautiful girl imaginable, because... That's mine. But uh, in his day, they, you know, there was a little less uh, choice. So he found the most beautiful girl that he could. Um, and uh, he, he was like, man. And he made his whole life about this woman. He, he worked for her dad to win her for seven years. And then he worked for another seven years, which is a very convoluted story that we won't go into. But basically, the long and the short of it is he ends up with this woman and her sister as his wives. Now, to all intents and purposes, it looks like he got what he wanted, and he devotes himself to his wife that he loves, and sort of to her sister. But the problem is, does it help? No. Jacob's brokenness just causes massive pain in that relationship. There's envy again. There's pain again. There's regret again. And Jacob's broken. Have you ever heard the phrase, broken people No, hurt people hurt people. You heard that phrase? That's exactly what happens in this story. Jacob looks to solve his life through romantic love, and it does not help. So the next thing he tries is he thinks, I know what I'll do. What will fill this gap in my soul? Money. I will become the richest guy that has ever been seen. 
on the face of the earth. Now, the currency in his day was kind of sheep. So he, he, he got loads of sheep. He, uh, he ended up trading on the flock exchange. Yeah, that's the one bit of my sermon that I planned. Uh, sorry, that was a bit woolly. Um, <laughs> it's bad if I start laughing. Um, <laughs> and and he, gets, he gets really wealthy. He makes it work. To all intents and purposes, anyone looking on Jacob's life would think, oh man, this guy's got it made. He's got the wife. He's got the sheep. What more could you possibly want from life? But the problem is it doesn't help. Jacob, the, his wealth actually pushes him even further away from his family. He finds himself more and more lonely. And you know what? The pain in his heart where his father's love never was still is there. He's still not fixed it. No matter how high he gets in position, no matter how much he tries to fill it with romantic love, no matter how he tries to fill it with money, it doesn't actually fix his life. And eventually, in the story, we find uh, Jacob, one night, just completely alone again. And his wives aren't there, and his sheep, uh, they've gone off somewhere, and he's all alone. And one of those really, really strange stories in the Bible happens. And for those of you who don't read the Bible much, there's some stories that when you read them, you're like, what are these guys on drugs? This is kind of one of those stories. Now, I don't think Jacob was on drugs, but just follow me with what happens. In the middle of the night, a guy shows up out of nowhere. And rather than having a conversation or a cup of tea or whatever Middle Eastern uh, people would do when they greet each other, um, they wrestle. So him and this guy who just shows up in the middle of the night, they start wrestling. And they keep wrestling. And they wrestle until it's light. And they're having this epic kind of, what, 50-round kind of match. And they're doing all the WWE moves on each other and kind of the slam dunk and the triple head thrust whatever, I don't know, um, and, uh, oh no, um, and in the morning, um, the guy eventually says, Jacob, you've got you've to let go of me, and Jacob says this really interesting thing, he, clinging on to this guy, like he's been clinging on to stuff his whole life, he says to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob senses, wait, there's something about this guy, there's something about this guy who has got what I've been looking for my whole life. The blessing that I never really got from my dad. The affirmation that I never really found. He's got what I'm looking for. So he says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the conversation goes like this. The man says, what is your name? He answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. From now on, it's Israel. God wrestler, you've wrestled with God and come through. Jacob asked, and what is your name? The man said, why do you want to know my name? (laughs) And then right then and there, he blessed him. Jacob named the place Peniel, God's face, because he said, I saw God face to face and lived to tell the story See, it turns out that must have been a pretty strange moment for Jacob, mustn't it? As he's wrestling with this guy and he gets him to bless him. And then the guy's blessing is this. By the way, I'm God. Bless you. Basically. 
What a strange thing to realize that actually all night you've been wrestling with the almighty God. Do you see why this story is quite strange? Now here's the thing. Jacob in this night receives the blessing that will change and mark his life forever now. And here's, here's the thing. God didn't just want to say this to Jacob. God didn't just want to meet Jacob and give him the father's blessing that he always needed. See, the attitude of God throughout history is that he sees us as his kids. And he wants to do this for all of us. He wants to meet with all of us. Whether your situation with your dad has been incredible and amazing and beautiful and you're delighted with how it's going and how it's gone and you've got great memories, whatever, or whether it's been so painful, the truth is this. You have a dad that wants to give you his blessing. You have a dad that wants to meet with you and say, here's what I see in you. Here's what your identity is. It's not defined by all the stuff that you've done, by all the, by all the places you've been. Here's what I see in you, and here's what your identity is. I'm just going to show us a little video. My mum had MS, so she was really ill when I was growing up. I didn't really know life without her having MS. But besides that, my parents were like the best to me. They, were, they would do anything for me. But I wasn't the best kid. I am now. Like, now I'm the best. But uh, before, when I was a teenager, I, I would just lie and I would be rubbish in school. I wouldn't be like the violent kid or it wouldn't be like obvious. Like some kids get into gangs and selling drugs. I, I was like way too smart. Like I just like causing trouble that you couldn't get caught for. And over a period of time, I started to realize how you could steal without getting caught. One day coming back from the, the cinema, I remember walking through the door and my parents were sat at the dinner table and was like, Alex, we need to talk to you. And basically what happened is like, I just stole money from their bank account and they found out. And so I ran upstairs into my room. I just remember feeling like I hate myself. Not even like who had I become. Not, it wasn't like that sort of moment. It was more, I'm rubbish. I'm just a bad kid and so I piled my entire room against my door like I got my bed my drawers on my bed everything and then piled it up and then just sat at the other end of this barricade it was silent for a bit and I, I was crying and I just my dad comes up the stairs he knocks on the door and I just don't say anything and then he stops and he's like okay I'm gonna go but he said this thing, which I'll never forget exactly what he said. He said, I need you to know that me and your mum love you. We're just confused because we don't know what we haven't done for you. And then he, he just said, I'd love it if you opened the door because I really want to give you a hug right now. And then like a few years later, I don't know what I was thinking about, but I was just thinking about that moment. I realised like, that's the, like, one of the most real examples of who God is that I've ever seen in my life. Just, just sort of that begging to come and show mercy. My dad's just the best. I don't know what your experience has been with God as dad or with thinking about God as dad. Maybe for some of you, you feel like God's like a distant father or like he doesn't love you or you don't know what to think about him. But here's the thing. Jesus said this really interesting thing to his disciples um, one day. He said, um, 
Sorry, that's just a frowning face. Um, he said, they come up to him, they're like, Jesus, show us the Father. Show us what, what the Father's like. And Jesus says, guys, how long have I been around? You don't know me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, we don't have to guess what God's attitude is towards us when it comes to this issue. We don't have to guess what if he's a bad dad? What if he's an angry dad? What if he's, what if he's gonna punish me? What if he's feeling angry at me? What if he's never going to have a good thing to say about me? What if I go to him and he's just going to be livid? We don't have to wonder that because God the Father is like Jesus. We can look at Jesus and think, wow, what's his attitude? And we look at how he embraces the broken, how he speaks identity and meaning into everyone's lives. Guys, that's the kind of God we have in God. The kind of Father we have (laughs) in God. A father that's like, even when we barricade all the stuff against our door and we don't want to listen and we don't want to get engaged, he's just outside saying, I want to give you a hug. I want to embrace you. I want to, I love you. I invite you to think about that a little bit this morning. I love that this story isn't just a story of Jacob meeting God and them having a three-minute conversation where God says, by the way, Jacob, it's really me you've been looking for your whole life. And then Jacob says, oh, that's nice, and then moves on with his life. The scene is a wrestling match. And sometimes that's what we've got to do with God. Maybe you're, maybe you're not done with this whole thing yet, and you, you haven't made your mind up on Jesus, or you haven't made your mind up on God or whatever. That's completely fine. Can I encourage you just to wrestle with him, to, say, or to, to, to not let him go until he blesses you? to wrestle with who Jesus is, to wrestle with what your identity is. I believe that he's a father for all of us. And whatever your experience has been, he wants to bring healing and wholeness and wellness as your dad today. Is that cool? I'm going to pray for us. Um, and, and then we'll, we'll sing another song. And um, one of the lines in this song is, you're my true father and I'm your true son. And that's how God, God sees us. Um, but please, uh, just feel free to do whatever you feel comfortable doing in this time. Uh, if you want to say a uh, uh, kind of quiet amen at the end of the prayer, make it your own, that's completely fine. If you don't, that's completely fine. Um, and then we'll sing, and then Nigel will do something, and then we'll get to eat together. Amen. Um, so let's pray. God, thank you that you are our Father. Thank you that you're a good dad. Lord, thank you that you love us. And thank you that, like that guy in the video there, whatever we put up between us and you, you're still just there. You're still waiting to show us your love. Father, thank you that you know all of us. Thank you that you've known us from the time that we were born, before then. Thank you that you love us. And Lord, thank you that nothing in our past needs to define our identity because of you. But you want to speak to our hearts now and tell us that we're sons of you. So Father, I want to invite you into all the hearts in this room that are really hurting at the moment, or today, to everyone for whom today has elements of pain. I pray that you would be a dad to those guys. Lord Jesus, we look to you and we welcome you now. Amen.